0: Hello, everyone. This is Attorney Susan Ingalls. You can find me at Ingles Angle on Twitter and on Instagram, too. And now, it's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. You come in here with a skull full of mush, and you leave thinking like a lawyer. So today, I'm going to talk about the problem of criminal justice debt it's becoming more and more of a problem and in December of 2018 the National Consumer Law Center issued a paper about criminal justice debt in the south and it outlines six ways that criminal justice debt actually costs the rest of us the first way is that it's an unaffordable burden on low income families so over the past 30 years criminal justice debt has increased dramatically as states and counties have attempted to shift the growing costs of the criminal justice system and often just of government operations generally i'm um, shifting that on to the accused in fact in uh, 2018 the federal reserve reported that four in ten adults would have to either go into debt sell something simply would not have any way to pay if they were faced with a $400 emergency expense. And that translates right into um, the criminal justice debt issue, because criminal justice debt is not just borne by the individuals that are accused of breaking the law. It's their family members who would tend to pay the price. In fact, studies have found that family members most often pay criminal justice fines and fees on behalf of their loved ones. The second way that criminal justice debt costs us is that it traps people in poverty and makes it harder for people convicted of crimes to get back on their feet. You know, too often the enforcement methods that are used to collect this type of debt actually have the effect of making it harder for those who owe to earn a living and paid the debt. And this traps them and their families in poverty. So, for example, suspending a driver's license until a debt is paid off prevents you from being able to go to work. That's just one example of how these collection methods can make it harder for people to work and achieve financial stability. Burdening people who already face limited employment prospects with thousands of dollars in debt just sets them up to fail and really doesn't serve anyone. The third way that criminal justice debt can really cost us is that it criminalizes poverty and and actually contributes to mass incarceration. So one of the most damaging aspects of the current criminal justice debt practices is that they cause more people to be locked up. For example... You know, even when the original infraction would not have been punished with incarceration, for example, a minor traffic violation, the offender can actually end up in jail for not paying the fine that's associated with the traffic violation. And it's also an important distinction to make, I think, between those who willfully do not pay even though they have the funds and those who cannot afford to pay. The way that criminal justice debt contributes to mass incarceration is really by trapping poor people in the, the criminal justice system. It subjects them to increased supervision in court proceedings. And for those, again, who can't pay or miss a payment, it can subject them to a loss of driver's license, arrest, and even incarceration. And this all leads to creating barriers to successful reentry. in has people ending up in what really amounts to a cycle of incarceration that they really have difficulty getting out of the fourth um, way that uh, criminal justice debt costs the rest of us is that it deepens the racial wealth gap you know there's growing evidence that communities of color especially african-american communities are disproportionately targeted for enforcement of minor crimes and infractions that generate fines and fees. In a paper entitled The Color of Debt in 2015, ProPublica found that because black families have less wealth to draw on than white families when they're hit, with unexpected fines or fees, black families are more likely to be unable to pay the amounts that are assessed immediately. And of course, this results in a domino effect in snowballing costs or arrests or incarceration for non-payment, which carries huge negative economic consequences. So as a result of those types of disparities in who is burdened with criminal justice debt and how likely it is that the burden will act as a poverty trap, criminal justice debt perpetuates and worsens the racial wealth gap. The fifth way that criminal justice debt costs us is that it can impede public safety. So the pressure on police to impose and collect criminal justice debt has distorted their focus away from the protection of public safety. Police increasingly end up compromising their focus on preventing and investigating violent crime in favor of pursuing revenue-generating law enforcement, such as giving out tickets, arresting people with warrants out for non-payment, and dealing with people driving on licenses suspended for debt. There's also the breakdown in trust between the police and the communities they're supposed to serve and protect and the actual people that they rely on for crime reporting and investigation. So criminal justice debt can spur a crime because the harsh consequences of the debt create barriers to law, lawful employment, and successful reentry. And there's also the threat that incarceration for nonpayment leads some to commit crimes in order to pay the debt. And finally, the sixth way that criminal justice debt affects us is that it really costs all of us. In other words, while the harm of criminal justice debt is felt most strongly by the individuals and families and communities that are burdened by the debts, maintaining the system costs everyone. In fact, in 2016, the Center for Economic and Policy Research estimated that the cost to the national economy of people with criminal records being kept out of the labor market is about $80 billion annually in lost GDP. And that was in 2016. So what can we do to... Limit the effect of criminal justice debt in the six ways that I've just described well the Paper issued by NCLC back in December suggests four ways That we can reduce the effect one is just to reform the laws that create these unaffordable fines and fees in the first place The second is making payment of criminal justice debt easier. For example, um, making a determination on ability to pay when determining the amount of a fine or fee or restitution, for example. Or allowing payment plans rather than an immediate lump sum payment of those type of amounts. Uh, number three, make sure that collection policies are designed to foster successful reentry, and you know, bring to an end the use of collection practices that trap people in poverty, or are barriers to a fresh start. And then finally, they suggest to use data to improve the policies that surround criminal justice debt. We need to either use or establish ways to create that data so that we can see how it is affecting us. You know, For more information on this subject, you can go to www.nclc.org and find the paper entitled Criminal Justice Debt in the South. You can also always check us out at www.sclegal.org. O-R-G. This has been attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle on Twitter and on Instagram. And you're listening to Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. You come in here with a skull full of mush and you leave thinking like a lawyer.